Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and Ken Miller are here for the next couple of hours. We appreciate you spending some of uh, your morning here with us as we talk sports with you. The BMW of Des Moines guest list, uh, kind of top-heavy. Uh, we're going to do a lot of NFL in the first hour of the program. We'll kick things off in about 15 minutes with Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. We'll recap that disaster that unfolded in Cleveland, compounded by an equally head-scratching press conference yesterday from Matt Nagy uh, regarding the usage of his quarterbacks this uh, coming Sunday versus Detroit. Uh, so the Bears in the spotlight first. Bottom of the hour or thereabouts, Dave Sinekin is the headcheese.com. We will recap a thrilling game from Saturday night when the Packers uh, put them back-to-back in the win column, heading out to Levi Stadium and knock off the 49ers. So Dave Sinekin on the Packers. Uh, and then uh, Nick Athen from primetimesportstalk.com will help us out with the Kansas City Chiefs, who signed Josh Gordon yesterday. Uh, apparently their head coach, Andy Reid, the um, word is... For the most part, I think positive. I mean, you never want to take a trip in an ambulance to a hospital at his age. Um, but nonetheless, he appears to be none the worse for wear. So we'll talk about the uh, Chiefs with Nick at 1045-ish. Matt Snyder in his spot on Tuesday mornings. At 11.05, we talk MLB with Matt, the final Tuesday of the regular season uh, with Matt Snyder. Looking forward to catching up on baseball as we get back into it, certainly, uh, for the next couple of nights. And that will do it for the BMW Des Moines guest list, although I'm sure we'll carve out some time at the end of the show to get Trent's play of the day. Monday night football was kind of a snoozer. Mm -hmm. No, it was a snoozer. Um, But if you're a Cowboys fan, you had to feel pretty darn good about what you saw. Um, that, the NFL, three weeks in, what do we know? What do we think we know? We'll save some time uh, to do that uh, at 11.30 or thereabouts. So, Trent Condon, I know that you were on the, um, what do you want to call it, the normal broadcast? That's not the right term. The they network have a, telecast? Because on the bottom, there's a little Chiron. They call it the main broadcast, I believe. That's what they. That's how they identify it? Because when I flipped over to Eli and Peyton, and I wasn't there much last mm-hmm. night, I saw some of the highlights on Awful Announcing and Eli flipping the double bird and on yeah. and on. But Peyton criticizing Mike McCarthy. Mike, call a timeout! <laughs> Which is good. Which we, is great, TV. It's just, we're three weeks into it. It's not for me. Yeah. I know you love it. Yeah, and I know I'm not alone, and I'm, and you're not alone. Um we don't know what it's got, got till it's gone. Now it's gone for three weeks. Is it? That's what it's it is. Okay. Week seven, I think that it comes back. Saints play. I don't remember. Uh, week seven, Monday Night Football is the Saints Seattle. Maybe I'm trying to go by what they said at the end of the broadcast. And by then, well, it was week seven, foggy. it is Saints at the Seahawks. Saints Seahawks. So the next three weeks, we have Raiders Chargers. Good that's game. a good game. And it'll be a main broadcast. Yeah, Colts Ravens. Colts. Eh, Colts are bad. And then Bills Titans. That's a good game. Two division leaders for crying out loud. So after they come back in Week Seven, though, they are there for I the duration. Think they're here for the duration because they. Well, that's not true. They signed up for ten. Right. 
and there's going to be 17. So doing the math, I think they'll have a couple extra weeks off. Regardless, um, it'll be good to see how the how much the number on the air quote main broadcast goes mm-hmm. up without the Mannings, uh, who had LeBron James on last night, had Chris Long on last night, had Matthew Stafford on last night. Who am I missing? Nick Saban on last night. And um, it was it was pretty. You know, Eli's got a great sense of humor. Yes, he does, and he's just dry as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just um, Peyton, as you would expect, dominates the show. Little he, brother, little brother. Think back to the Directv commercials. Peyton dominated the commercials, but yeah. little brother had a role. He's got a pretty big role in this. He likes giving his brother, his big brother, uh, crap on the broadcast. But uh, let's get to the game itself. So, what what do you make of these Cowboys? They're good. I think they are too. I, and I understand, especially on a national. I'm, you flip on ESPN, they're talking Cowboys. Cowboys suck, they're talking Cowboys. Right. And it, it gets... It's like in, the Yankees, the yeah, Red Sox. It, it does get infuriating sure. at times when they're, they're bad. This team's not bad. No, no. And Parsons goes down, pops right back into the game. Trent, they got a gem here. Yes. Number 11. Uh, that where he went? 11, right? Yeah. And Fields went 12? Yeah, Fields it? went 12. Okay. Sertan went 9. Who went 10, I wonder? Well, whoever did made a mistake. So did a bunch of teams because this guy's going to be a really good player. Yes, he is. He's out there making plays. The defense, you can see the improvements that they're Without making. Without a doubt. Big time from what they were. And this offense, and we talked yesterday about who's the better running back between yeah, Zeke running and Pollard. controversy. Who cares? Right. In today's NFL, yeah. having multiple right. high-level running backs, mm-hmm. that's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. And Dak is just so good. You know, thinking back to before the injury, uh, Jerry doesn't want to give him that huge contract. Yeah, right. How stupid that looks. Yeah, that was dumb. He is incredible. Yep. No, he is, and he's playing his best football. And my God, I mean, the, the turnover to the first part of the game. Look, if you had the Cowboys last night, you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, they should be absolute. This game should be settled at this point. And I felt good. I felt good at halftime. Did you? Hurts didn't play great by any means, but he was hanging around. Mm-hmm. And then the second half starts, and it just. The Cowboys just we're a better football team. Well, Trent, the first and the first play of the game for the Eagles and the first play of the second half for the Eagles mm-hmm. were the identical plays. The tight end gets open for thirty something yards, and that was it. What's it? What's his name? Um, no, Goddard. Goddard. Yes. Um, Dallas Goddard. And. and <laughs> I mean, they burned him early yeah. in the first drive, and then they had to turn on just an egregious pass yeah. uh, by Hertz. Boy, how about um, uh, Young Diggs? This kid's a good player. Out of Alabama, his brother Stefan, of course. And mm-hmm. um, boy, oh boy, can you imagine those two in the backyard? <laughs> you know, Stefan tried. I don't know who was chucking him the ball, but uh, Diggs v. Diggs would have been good watching those two grow up. This Cowboys team is going to win the East. Handily. Oh, yes. Handily. I still like Washington. Now, that defense has not been... No, they've not. ...what was anticipated. They're going to hang around and win seven, eight games, I Mm -hmm. still think. I think with the schedule that they're going to have, because the Giants stink. Yep. Philadelphia has warts. Yep. I kind of like that roster. It just... I'm with you. It doesn't feel like it's it's not working well. It's Mm -hmm. the old Ryan Pace adage that I have. He knows how to scout. He doesn't know how to build a team. And it kind of feels like this Eagles team just isn't built right for what they have. And certainly with the offensive line, boy, late in that game when they're trying to get into it and just Uh, hold after hold after hold, what can you do? Mm -hmm. When your offensive line isn't good, it's the simplest equation in football. But ultimately, I think it's big. It might be bigger than quarterback the way the game is played. Just to be good. Not to win a Super Bowl, but to be good. 
if your quarterback is below average, you can still find a way. If your offensive line's below average, you don't got a prayer. No, and your Bears don't have an offensive line. We're going to get into that in a couple of minutes here with Jeff Hughes. I look forward to that. My guess is he's pretty fired up here today. Uh, So we'll get back into baseball tonight, and I'm looking forward to catching up with uh, Matt Snyder coming up here at 11.05, going around the MLB that uh, sadly uh, gets overshadowed once football comes back. But there's a couple of good stories, including one in St. Louis. This Cardinal team, and we will get Brian Walton, you Cardinal fans, we will talk about your team. We promise Uh, we'll do that. That I think it's going to happen on Thursday. That uh, is, um, I think it's going to work for Brian that we'll get him in. Will they have lost by then? I'm <laughs> guessing no, um, because they've got the Brewers for three, and the Brewers have clinched. Uh-huh. There's nothing the Brewers can do to play for. It's all about setting their rotation because they're going to uh, they're they're going to finish second, yep. and they're going to host whoever wins the National League East. That is a foregone conclusion. So they got nothing to play for. The Cardinals at this point. What do the Cardinals have to play for? Nothing. They are setting their rotation themselves. Absolutely. And where it looked like even a few weeks ago before this winning streak, it was going to come down to the wire and mm-hmm. maybe Wainwright starting on Saturday or Sunday. You're not, not going to be, be able the to use case. Them. No, they can set their rotation. Yep. They can get the bullpen exactly the way they want it. Mm-hmm. Everybody can be fine-tuned. It's just coasting in. So Trent, they can clinch a wild card tonight. They're, they're a half a game away from clinching. Magic so, numbers one. Yeah, right. Uh, and so Cincinnati loses a game or the Cardinals win a game, and there's a pretty good chance that's going to happen because they finish with the Cubs uh, is how the season ends for them. they got Brewers-Cubs to wrap things up. What a story. What a remarkable story, Having a, finding a way to win 16 in a row to set themselves up for this spot. And there's no doubt about it that it's going to be Adam Wainwright mm-hmm. that will start against, at this point, the Dodgers. Yep. You know, one gamer. And if you're the Dodgers and that huge payroll, it's a one game winner go on, loser go home. Whew. The sneaky part about that, too, is if the Giants and Dodgers tie for the division title, they got to play, play game Monday. 163. Yes. So we're seven days away from a possible game 163. There. And the Giants are up a pair, correct? Yes, up two. And they don't see each other? Schedule for both of those teams going forward. So the Giants have the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Four, well, the three. Brewers played the Dodgers to end the season. I and know the, that for a fact. And then the Padres. So the Giants are home for all six. That's a good spot to be. For the Dodgers, they got the Padres here 4-3, and then they wrap up with yeah. that series that you mentioned. So if we get to that point, all right. But if you're a fan of one of those teams, so you got to play game 163. You're mm-hmm. using your pitching. You're using mm-hmm. your bullpen. Yeah. And then you got to come back. The loser of that, you'll get to host. Right. But the Still. one game playoff where anything can happen in a season where you win 104, 105 days, it might oh be my over God. October By 5th. Wednesday? Right. Six, whatever day that is. It could be over after a season mm-hmm. like that. But that's baseball, right? Yep. Go back in so many of those great races. I remember the, the Giants, I think of the Dodgers. In the 90s, had one of these years where both teams won over 100 games. One team didn't make the playoffs. Mm. Was that the Earthquake Series, 91? No, it was after that. It was after more that? towards the mid-90s. Okay. mid But there was one of those years. In fact, it was still... It was when there was two divisions. It might have been the Braves and wow, the Giants. Wow, so going way back. Yeah. Well, that was early 90s. Yeah, 93, maybe yeah, something like that. Where both teams were excellent, but one team wasn't going to make it because of the structure. And only mm. two divisions at the time, the way that it was. That's the way baseball's been for a very long time. They all matter. New structure, you can argue about it. 
Hey, they all signed up for it before the season, right? Well, that's just it. They know what they were getting into, so it's um, uh, back to baseball for the next couple of nights. Selfishly for me, I'm going to be all over Yanks and Blue Jays. I figured you would. I was uh, hopeful I hadn't looked yet if that'll be on MLB Network. I'm hoping. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, or find some wraparound coverage because I'm going to be definitely keeping an eye on that one. And all season long, I've been rooting for the Mariners. They're uh, close, Trent. Kikuchi was scheduled to throw tonight. Yeah. He's been so bad. They've bypassed him. Yeah, Trent. They're still they're st- and it's slim. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they're the only game. Uh, they're only half a game behind the Jays or a game behind the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, it's going to be fascinating down the stretch. Uh, those teams and looking forward to getting back into it tonight. Locally, I mean, I and Iowa State they are both uh, hosting uh, media days today. So uh, I don't know what news is going to come out uh, this Maryland game. Boy, there's a lot of folks that are digging the Terps, Trent. Yes. They can move the football well. Yeah, I guess, but Iowa's defense can stop teams from moving the football well. They do. Does it feel like that this is the, the underdog, the upset that everybody wants to pick this week? And then I see a lot of that, yes. It's a very workmanlike mm-hmm. 27-17 win for Iowa. Right, I, I could see that. Look, Iowa was, was tested by Iowa State's offense. Mm-hmm. This was this is still a decent offense in Ames. Now, their defense is their calling card, but Iowa's has to test mm-hmm. against a, a team with a quarterback, a team with a receiver, a team with a running back. They've got to face that again this week versus Maryland. I get, and they're on the road again. Um, but to your point, it seems like the national media, here we go again, right? This Iowa team, what did Cowherd call him? F- fake ID? Uh, the of fake ID of college football, yeah. Well, they're not that. No. Um, they're clearly not that. Because this schedule is different than that schedule. Mm-hmm. That schedule, they didn't play Penn State that year. Right. The one game they had was against Wisconsin. They snuck by Pitt on that ridiculous Marshall Keene field goal. That was James Conner and Pitt. Yes. Uh, Boyd also, wasn't he a wide receiver for him? Oh, was he? Probably yeah. could have been, yeah. A really talented yeah. team. And Iowa found a way. Yeah. They found a way throughout that, that whole season. Kick. This conversation will be different, though. And this conversation is also different this year because college football is different this year. Mm-hmm. This is... Wide open year as wide open as we've had in the college football playoff yes, era. Because Ohio State is not a cinch and Clemson is not going to get an invitation to the playoff. And I have no idea what's going on in the Pac 12. Oregon seems to be the team, but are they? And the SEC actually has depth this year. Without a doubt. Where? Yes. That middle part is pretty cushy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was like my gut. There was, there was some <laughs> softness to the middle of the SEC. You speak many for of a lot these of guys out there. Yeah, right. Gone, not I'm not alone. No. And there was that softness that nobody wanted to talk about. Because, yes, the elite teams were elite, but there's not many nights mm-hmm. where Alabama was going to go and lose to Mississippi State. Or Michigan went to Iowa and lost mm-hmm. when they were in the contention for the playoff. Right. Ohio State got beat by the Hawkeyes or Purdue. Because those middle-tier teams in the SEC weren't as strong. This year, I think Florida's kind of in that middle tier. I you think know? Florida's got a prayer. And they're good. Yes. Five to eight. Those, those middle teams... Uh-huh. Just hadn't been as good in the SEC. No. That's not the case this year. That's just it. And, and and having said that, and I know by the time we get to that point, we hope that there's some resolution as to how this playoff is going to un- uh, shake itself out. But if there are three teams from the SEC, three of the four bids go to SEC teams, doesn't that universally... Uh, help the outcry for the expansion of the playoffs because heaven forbid there's three teams from the SEC that are getting into this and you can make a case you can make a case that any year this is going to be that year look Oklahoma out of the Big 12 they look like a playoff team to you at this point not to me Texas has a, a loss against Arkansas who's very good by the looks of things but um 
man, I don't know. It's going to be a fun, fun year. All right, we will get to um, back to baseball here at 11.05. A lot of NFL conversation right now. We're going to take a look at three of the four uh, of our air quote local teams. We are saving the Vikings on the slim chance that we can <laughs> coordinate schedules to get our guy Paul Allen in here. We are efforting that, and maybe, maybe, maybe this week he's committed to come on with us. Um, just got to make the schedules work. Jeff Hughes is the Bears blog. TheBears.com, BearsBlog.com. Jeff Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Which was worse, the game itself or the press conference yesterday with Matt Nagy? I think it's just been a giant picture of awful here. This started, and I don't want to get on the soapbox that I feel like I've been sleeping on now since mid-August. This started this summer. It started with Nagy not knowing how he wanted to handle the quarterback position all summer long. It started with no first-team reps for Justin Fields all summer, even when he outperformed Dalton in preseason games. It has continued now into the regular season. And what happened in that game is inexcusable. Not that Fields struggled. We expect him to struggle. I expect him to struggle the whole season. But just that none of the offensive infrastructure around him was cohesive, was coherent, made a lick of sense. It was coaching malpractice by an Mm -hmm. offensive coach who has now put on tape four years of failure. And I think we're at a breaking point now where this now will impact a second young quarterback. And the organization cannot let that happen. As for the press conference yesterday, for Nagy not to understand yesterday two things. One, you have to walk into that press conference and say, I am no longer the play caller. If you do not do that, everything else strikes as hollow. But to say then that, oh, all three quarterbacks are now in play to be the starter without mentioning injury, to say it as if it would be a punishment to Justin Fields, I have never in, in the, I've been doing this since 2005. I have never seen the entirety of the football world turn on one single person in the football world the way they have turned on Matt Nagy. And that includes people. And I, I tweeted about this this morning. Uh, I worked all day yesterday trying to find someone, someone on the periphery of this organization to defend him, including people who have defended him for years. And I could not find one. Wow. Uh, there, something changed on Sunday, and I don't think there's there's much left to the Matt Nagy era in Chicago. Trent, before you get in, could I just did you see the quote of the, the statement this morning from Arlovsky and Ryan on whatever ESPN show they're on? I'll just read this real quick. Uh, this is from Arlovsky. The Bears should fire Nagy today because yesterday's game plan, I guess this was Monday, one of the worst, it was either negligence or intentional. Wow. Eesh. Yeah, let me just say one thing about that. As much as I want to criticize Matt Nagy for his coaching, and it's been bad offensively for a few years now, I do not think he intentionally sabotaged Justin Fields. Matt Nagy is fully aware that his future in Chicago is tied to the success and development of Justin Fields. He knows this. Matt Nagy simply is not a good offensive coach. And I think it's very difficult for guys, especially play callers, to come to terms with that. The Bears were okay offensively at the end of last season when he wasn't the play caller, and he took the reins back. He took on that role again, and they're failing again. And I think unless he gives up those play calls today, not in two weeks, because for all the Bears fans listening, if you've looked at the schedule after this week, and this is no pushover game. The Lions have been better than the Bears Mm -hmm. for the first three weeks of the season. If they win this week, 
They're two and two. And they're going to be five or six point underdogs or more for the next six games. So mm. the expectation should be for Bears fans, this is now starting to look like it's going to be a long year because you don't go from what we saw Sunday to even a mediocre offense. The next step is, can you be professional? Can you block someone? Can you match protect when it's appropriate? Can you get the quarterback out into space? Can you get the ball out of his hands quickly? These basics, the fundamentals of playing offense, were absent Sunday. And that's what infuriated so many people. And that's why Orlovsky said what he said, because it doesn't compute. Orlovsky's watching this as a quarterback in the NFL and saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. And that's the truth of it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why people are so angry about it. The scary part about this is we've seen before how quickly quarterbacks can be ruined. I think of David Carr. David Carr was a really talented guy. He played behind that expansion Texans offensive line that was brutal, and he never recovered. The The clock in his head never got right. He always had happy feet, and even with all the arm talent that David Carr had, he never was able to recover from what happened in that rookie season, in my opinion. That's my concern, that this thing is so bad, that this offensive line is so bad, that the receiving group is pedestrian enough where this is ruined forever with Justin Fields. Is that fair? Trent, there's a reason they call you the Midwest best sports voice. Because <laughs> the only guy I was worried, I thought David Carr was going to be a terrific NFL quarterback. And he just got hit too much. Yep. And when you get hit that much, it's impossible to recover. I do not subscribe to this idea that you can ruin the top quarterbacks. I think they always survive. However, if you want to ruin the quarterback, Sunday's your blueprint. If, if Matt Nagy wants to go into consultant businesses for ruining quarterbacks <laughs> in the future, he's got a resume now because what we saw Sunday was about as abysmal as it gets on the offensive side of the ball. Now, if, you, if this is where we're, we're suddenly teetering on this weird fence, which is, do you not play the kid? Do you go to Nick Foles? Are you worried the team's not? I mean, I don't know what Nagy can do now. He's got to play fields on Sunday. He's got to play him at Soldier Field against the Lions. Mm-hmm. He's got to find a way to make it work. But at the same point, what I saw Sunday was a complete collapse of offensive identity, of offensive ideas, of offensive talent. That's just not a good group. And whatever Fields is going to do within the structure of that is probably going to be outside the structure of that. Improvisational, getting around, running, making plays with his legs. And... Ultimately, I think we have to come to terms with the fact that the guys right now running this offense, coaching this offense, teaching this offense are not going to be the guys doing it next year. So really, what do we achieve by having fields play for these guys? Other than getting some professional reps, getting the speed of the game, I think very little. Yeah, and with that offensive line, I mean, Jason Peters, who's been a terrific player, he's cooked. Um, the pressure that they were able to put uh, on the young quarterback, I mean, I, I honestly, I felt bad for him. I, I did, Jeff, yeah. and I wanted to see him. I mean, the hype for the debut was like something we hadn't seen, and I'm not a Bears fan, but I was totally into it, and I think the country was buying it. But to watch that the ineptitude of that offensive line, that was frightening. It was, and if, if Andy Dalton had played Sunday and it wasn't Justin Fields, nobody would have cared. I mean, I'll, quite right. honestly, all Bears fans expected the line to be bad. Most Bears fans have no respect for Nagy as a play caller. If Andy Dalton had gotten banged around eight or nine times, people would have said, we told you so. But it was the fact they were pumped up to see Fields. And they, as I, I've tweeted this a few times now, he wasn't even given a chance to make mistakes. 
That's the whole goal here. He's got to go out there and do what Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson mm-hmm. are doing. Throw those dumb picks. Uh, stare down the receiver. Uh, run away from non-existent pressure. All that stuff's part of the learning curve. He wasn't even given a chance. He was running for his life. Now, I give him credit on a few things. When you saw that behind the quarterback angle, he didn't force throws into pressure. He took the hit. But how many of those mm-hmm. do you want him taking? It, this is a really bad spot right now for Justin Fields, for the Bears organization, who I think now, and again, here we go again. The reason Justin Fields is here is because of Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was in love with Justin Fields. Matt Nagy has fought for Justin Fields. We have this player because of this coach, but this coach isn't any good. And the Bears have some very tough decisions to make. And I, I really believe that if they don't win Sunday, those decisions might be getting made sooner than later because I do not think they are going to allow this coach to continue to, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to start using loftier words than I should, but I do not think they're going to want him to ruin this quarterback and I think there are some people around the Bears now wondering, did he maybe ruin Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah. and again, I'm not a Mitch guy. I think Mitch had a ton of flaws. Mitch couldn't hit a deep ball to save his life. But now we're starting to see a resume of a guy. I mean, how many good offensive coaches, how many in their fourth year have a game like Sunday? I can't name one ever. I'm watching Sean Payton coach with basically no quarterbacks, and he's generating offense, and he's making it happen. I'm watching coaches around the league figure out how to be productive when they have deficiencies on their offensive roster, and I'm watching them net one passing yard Sunday, and Jason Peters is on an island. Jason Peters is a wonderful player. He should go to the Hall of Fame, but he's 40, and he was 50 a month ago, (laughs) and Miles Garrett is a 23 or whatever year old a specimen, and they're not even giving Jason Uh Peters help, And, and we're sitting there in the fourth quarter going, this seems... This seems malicious what they're doing to Justin Fields. Yeah. And what I, the one thing I heard from someone in the organization yesterday was, and again, I tweeted this this morning, was, you know, Nagy's teams tend to have the ability to rebound when it seems like rock bottom. You know, rock bottom last year, Packers blow out. They uh, blow the big lead to Detroit. I called for his firing. They go on a winning streak. And you say, okay, they tend to rebound. Man, if they lose Sunday to the Lions... I'm not sure he's the coach on Monday afternoon. Good stuff, Jeff Hughes. TheBearsBlog.com. TheBearsBlog.com as we check in on the Chicago Bears. Jeff, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And I got my Ryder Cup pick right. Yes, you did. <laughs> but you oh, bet you, your bet wrong. You pick right, your bet wrong. Good to talk to you. I think you bet the Euros. Did you not he say did. that? Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll get into the Packers um, with Dave Sinekin. We'll get the uh, different conversation here. with the Pack and the Chiefs. Yeah, the those teams Chiefs, have quarterbacks. They do. What about this Chiefs team? I'm anxious to talk mm. to Nick. By the way, I just got tweeting again. We are efforting the Vikings. We're not, we, we want to talk about the Vikings. Yes. I like the Vikings. I, I like do the too. organization. Should be 3-0. and They could be 3-0. and Absolutely. Split the difference. Should. 2-1. Should. Yeah. Chip shot field goal. They have to make that. And a fumble that wasn't a fumble. Yeah. We were trying to get the guy who blew that call. <laughs> and he had some fun with it. Boy, he had a lot of fun with it. Uh, good for him for doing that. Owning it. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 106. You know what I saw was... Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. 
From the Bears to the Packers and soon to the Chiefs, right now Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. That's where you can read his blog as he opines on those Green Bay Packers. Boy, Dave, good to speak with you as always. What a difference a couple of weeks makes from that disaster on opening week to where uh, this team is now and how the public feels about the Green Bay Packers, and in particular their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. What a difference a couple of weeks makes. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I just think week one has kind of been an aberration around the league. You think about how good Pittsburgh looked and how bad Buffalo looked, and obviously the Packers. It's it's weird how week one seems to have been an aberration, but uh, I'm glad that's what it was because nobody knows for sure until you start watching them stack uh, games one on top of another. And, you know, from the perch I sat at uh, Monday night a week ago Mm -hmm. watching that team to what I saw Sunday night, I saw a whole lot of growth, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And that gives me a lot of hope as the season moves on. How much credit do we continue to give to LaFleur? You know, there's been, feels like something every offseason that he's had to deal with starting when he got the job and him and Rodgers not seeing eye to eye, it felt like. How good is this guy in your mind? If you're ranking NFL coaches, head coaches, how high is he on your list? Yeah, it's a really good question because it's so hard to say when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. <laughs> right. But I think just the dynamic of having to you know, massage that personality as he came in there as a young coach, uh, how he got Rodgers to buy in instantly. Uh, you can see the bond they have if you watch Rodgers isolated at the end of that awesome. game, the hug they gave each other. Um, I think he deserves a ton of credit, and he's clearly a, a really brilliant offensive mind. And, and going into Sunday night, he's got four offensive linemen that have never played a road game in the NFL, um, a left tackle that had never started and had played like 14 snacks as, a snaps as a pro going up against Nick Bosa. So he knew he had to devise a game plan to take advantage of what Rodgers can do, which is uh, manipulate quickly, get the ball out of your hands within two seconds, and really take care of that young, untested offensive line. And and he did that on a short week. You know, granted, they're looking ahead to San Francisco for a while, but I don't think he knew what Elton Jenkins' availability was till late in the week, and that changes your game plan. So he's really good, I think, at week-to-week, uh, using what he's got on that offensive uh, team and, and getting the best out of them. And then, then big picture, you know, moved on from his defensive coordinator. Time will tell if he's brought in the right guy, but wasn't afraid to make the switch after two years. I mean, two 13-3 seasons, two NFC title games. Obviously, he hasn't gotten to the big game yet, but I think he's – criminally undervalued across the league for what he's done. You know what, as much as uh, his play calling and, and what he does to keep that team together, and you're right, the fact that uh, Trent's point on Rodgers when he first came in, the, the thing that stuck me for, with me from Sunday night was going after the officials when inexplicably they didn't see intentional grounding on Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd love to see that side of him. I also love to see the side of uh, Aaron Rodgers that you're pointing out. That ISO on him as he waited for Mason Crosby's kick uh, to be struck and then ultimately split the sticks uh if there's any people that don't believe that aaron Rodgers is fully invested in this football team have a look at that and if that doesn't change your mind well nothing will yeah that's exactly right and and lafleur you know just looks like the boy next door he's got such a baby face for a head coach but yeah he's he's a pretty intense guy and you're right he was flummoxed if that's the right word yep, about the not on the on the pass that, that the garavolo threw and then of course, the hit to Devontae Adams, he was similarly just flabbergasted. There was a there was a lot, a lot of interesting calls in that game that you just kind of shake your head and say, man, I mean, it all evens out, obviously, for all teams. And, man, I hear about it up here from Vikings fans. They think 
the Packers get every call ever. Um, and I could uh, take you to some key points in playoff games over the years where that's not been the case. But I, I think LaFleur is about as intense as they come, but that boyish good looks just belies that. You just don't see it. Uh, if you saw the way that he and his friend Kyle Shanahan kind of met yes. in midfield, you, you can tell that uh, you know competition supplants friendship when it comes to the NFL, that's that for was sure. icy. <laughs> we know Bakhtiari is going to be back at some point. That's going to help out in a big way. You got Jenkins out. So, Yash Neiman, I think that's how you pronounce it. Help me out if I'm wrong here. But it wasn't great. You're going up against a Bosa. You know it's going to be a trouble there. Overall, though, for an undrafted free agent, it was good, but it wasn't deadly at the very least. Yeah, I think we're going with Nyman, but I'm not positive Nyman. about this one. Uh, so this is his third year. He's been on the practice squad a couple years. Uh, you're right, out of Virginia Tech. David Bakhtiari's kind of taken him under his wing uh, because he says he's just got you know amazingly quick feet for a man of his size. He just saw a ton of potential for a guy that was kind of raw and hadn't had to really learn how to be a pass protector at this level. So they've been kind of grooming him for a couple years. I was a bit surprised that they threw him out there in this game. I thought with that uh, front four they were facing, they might move Billy Turner over to the left side where he played in the playoffs last year uh, because they do have Dennis Kelly, who started all season for the Titans at right tackle last year. They could have had two veterans on that line, but it just shows you the faith they have in this young kid. And, again, it goes back to me, to Andy Stenovich, the offensive line coach. This team does an amazing job drafting linemen on days two and three and developing them. Green Bay played without its two best linemen Sunday night, and uh, you wouldn't have known it. Uh, There was just... Rodgers barely had to get his uniform washed. It's it's an amazing, I think, um, development when you've got a deep offensive line and you can go into this game without Bakhtiari and Jenkins and uh, and put up 30 points and, and even leave some on the field against a team with that kind of talent on defense. We've got 90 seconds left, and I was going to talk about Jair Alexander, who is clearly elite, and the fact that you tweeted it, that Kevin King it might not be a big loss because uh, with him being out of the lineup, I liked what you saw out of Stokes. But I want to talk about the local kid in our final minute here with you, Dave. Alan Lazardi wasn't targeted in Game 1, had that nice catch early in the football game. But it's the little things that this guy does that just, I think, um, make his – uh, value to this team, what it is, the blocking, um, because he's really good at doing that. He wants to play special teams and get involved in that. Alan Lazard is going to carve out a, a role in this league, I think, for you know eight or ten years, and hopefully it's with the Packers. I hope so, too. Uh, this is the last year of his deal. They're going to have to make a decision on all their wide receivers after this season. That room's going to look a lot different in Green Bay next year, but I hope Lazard is back because he is the consummate teammate. You heard about it after the game Sunday night. You know, the play that really turned the game happened at the end of the first half when the Niners got that big kickoff return by Cannon that set them up down 17 nothing to put some points on the board in the final minute and get that momentum. And right after that play, Lazard went to the special teams coach, Maurice Drayton, and said, put me on the unit. Get me out there. I want to I help this unit out. And, you know, you can't ask for anything more from a player than that. And that's That's been his M.O. ever since he kind of, bubbled up last season you've heard from teammates just say nobody works harder than alan lazard and you're right in this offense he's not going to be targeted eight to ten times a week but he's going to be asked to block like um few receivers are asked to block for this team and he does it willingly he does it really well and he's a really important part of one of the best offenses in the nfl and when the matchup is right as it was sunday night and rogers found him on a fly down the sideline 
he scooped it up and, and made a big play to set up a score. So he's a valuable player. He's not going to win you a lot of fantasy leagues. Right. But if you ask the offensive guys in that locker room, you know, who are the most valuable guys in our unit, Lazard's going to get a whole lot of votes from his teammates. How about that? Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. Dave, thank you. We'll speak with you next week. Appreciate it, Dave. Have a good week. You too, guys. Take care. Yep, good to talk to you. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. Of course, you can hear him on Sunday mornings, Packer Preview, on the flagship of the Minnesota Vikings, KFAN, or on your iHeart app. Miller and Condon back with Nick Athen on the Chiefs, 1460 KX and 1160 KXNO 106.3 FM. The Valley, Missouri Valley Conference is expanding. We'll let you get, we'll get into that a little bit in hour number two. Belmont comes aboard. They're at 11. You need 12. See if Trent Condon's got any ideas who that 12th school might be. But right now, let's get to the Chiefs. He's Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com, primetimesportstalk.com. Boy, you can go to that site and spend some time reading about sports and your team. Uh, Nick, uh, before we get into the game, let's get into the head coach who, you know, you never want Uh to be taking the hospital uh, in an ambulance at any time. But I guess, um, you know, being what it may, it's, it's, it's positive. At least that's what we're told, right? Uh, that he may be back, Andy Reid I'm referring to, back at work as early right. as today or tomorrow. Yeah, if I'm him and I'm Mama Reed, I'm, I'm keeping him home till at least tomorrow. But uh, uh, Josh Gordon is arriving, uh, arrived yesterday, so he's going to want to see him. But listen, I mean, he, that's a scare. You know, he's had some health issues. He's overweight a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was walking with a cane in training camp. I mean, all these things, you know, kind of compiling up and, you know, I think we heard all sorts of rumors. I mean, people anywhere from something being really severe to something minor. I don't think it was minor, and I don't think it was severe. It's probably somewhere in the middle. They treated him. They're probably uh, going to have him do some uh, different regimens, you know, to get his to get his health in order. You know, but he's in a high stress job, and his football team hasn't done him any favors <laughs> the last two weeks by blowing games that they should have won. And, you know, the stress that's ensued with all that and everything he dealt with with his son, you know, I think it just kind of came to a head on Sunday and he just, his body just said, you know what, I need to rest. And uh, hopefully he'll be okay. It sounds like he will from all accounts that I can gather. Um, you know, he'll be on the sidelines uh, Sunday in his uh, former hometown of Philadelphia, trying to become only the second head, the only coach in history to have 100, uh, 100 wins in each conference for two different teams. So I think that's what's on his mind this week. The Chargers game, frustrations everywhere. Defense early on was flying around at the very least. It was trying to make plays out there. Offense didn't help it out, though, with the turnovers. And even late in the game, as the Chargers score with too much time, 32 seconds left. I thought this one after the missed extra point was destined for 31-30. Alas, that didn't happen. But just give us your takeaway from Sunday. Well, I think think the Chiefs just are, are beating themselves. I think I said this to you guys over the summer. The only team that's going to derail the Chiefs in the AFC is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, and so far they're 1-2. They should be 0-3, to be realistically honest. Um, but the defense stepped up late in that game. The defense you know, had a good goal line stance there. You know, a couple of wicked pass interference penalties that were brutally marginal, and obviously the one at the end of the game where there were two guys who were um, grabbed and thrown down before the ball arrived that should have been called. But, you know, I, I think this team is kind of um, – you know, it's kind of lost its identity. I don't think teams fear them anymore. Um, I think that the the doubt has crept in. 
And uh, um, I think doubt has crept in a little bit. And uh, I think that's, that's going to be a problem uh, for this team going forward. And, and, guys, I hate to cut this short, but I only got a couple minutes left. Something just came up with my son. So well, I got a, I got a bowl. Good, uh, Nick. Totally understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will. I just uh, got a text. I'm so sorry. No, I could, I could hear it in your voice that something's come up. Uh, we will talk to you next week. You do that. If I, family comes first. We'll talk Chiefs next week. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm you so got sorry, it. No, no big deal. Graphite Construction sponsors all of our Chiefs conversation uh, with uh, Nick Athen, with Mitch, and with whenever we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, How get, concerned are you? Because nah. I am. Are you? I every summer Super Bowl hangover. Yeah, ah, but not legit. with Trent, but not right. with this team. Yeah, you're right. And we see it. And every it's back single, to back to back. We're talking about this year. Every yeah, but not this team. Right. And the Chiefs, not this team. The defense has problems. They do. They do. Big time. That offensive line has not been what we thought it was going to be. At fixed minimum, it. I thought it was going to be at minimum top half of the league. I gotta find those the PFF numbers. I just I want to see if my eyes are agreeing with what the scouting guys see. Because mm-hmm. that's not even top half. That's mm-hmm. not top twenty. It's not no, been good. No, I'm with you. Look, Hilaire, he got his yards, but he's had his struggles. Mm-hmm. Mahomes got picked off a couple of times. He Mahomes did. threw a pass at the end of that football game that is so unlike anything we've ever seen from him. Uh, that 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 really surprised me. Look, the Raiders are the class of the AFC West right now. Not your. Broncos. I don't want to say the class. The Chiefs are still the. When you they got are. Patrick Mahomes, they're yeah. the. But the Raiders, this is a good story. You know why they're a good team? They got a defense. They can, they have got a defense. They can generate a pass rush. Yes, and that's going this to go Max a long Crosby. Way. Yes, my God, got him on one side. They're adequate. I don't think they're great over there. They're the Raiders, you mean? Yes, defense. They look good to me. Good as in they're going twelve and five. Um. Well, I don't. Maybe you think so? I'm not not ready for that. Eleven and six. Okay. Look, the Chargers. They're going to shoot. They're the Chargers. They are. Nobody self missed extra point. Oh my God! What? I know what happens. I mean, the the Cowboys missed one last night. Mm -hmm. Um. Power rank the AFC West. Chiefs. You still think they're one? Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Oh, my God. And the record says completely the opposite. It does. It, does. it says Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers. What do you got? I got the Raiders one. You're buying this. I'm buying this. You love this Ra- too. Um, I do. I do. Uh, I like Carr a lot. Yeah. Car's underrated. You know who else is underrated? I want to talk about them at the bottom of the hour because I don't know why we're struggling with the Vikings as far as getting guys on here. Yeah. This Kirk Cousins story from 2021, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is playing as you-know-what off. He is putting up numbers that have never been seen before. <sighs> week after week after week, dating back to last season. Mm-hmm. An offensive line that has their own set of issues. But they're better. They are. Not great. Nope. Better. better. Delvin Cook didn't play this week. And Madison? He was great. He looked like uh-huh. 85% of Delvin uh-huh. Cook. He was really good. And Jefferson can play. Yes. And Thielen's got something left. And they're, it's patchwork. It's tight end by committee mm-hmm. at this point. Defense is legit. And I like Mike Zimmer. I hope he makes it. I, I like am, his story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you I know. like Spielman. Yeah. Yep. I think he, he knows how to build a team. Mm-hmm. Better than the joke in Chicago. 
Trent, I don't, and I can't wait to ask this for Cappy tomorrow. And we talked about it last week. The hype around the debut of this quarterback, and then to have it turn out the way that it did, to completely fall flat. Mm-hmm. I told oh. you, I was so excited for Sunday. Everything was set. Yeah. It was me and the TV and quietness, and I was ready to go. Right. I don't get that. I got kids. I, I just no. you don't Young get that. Kids. Yes, you don't get that. No, and I had it. And I asked for it, and I got it. And it's your team. And they just stunk Mm -hmm. so... That says disappointed Mm -hmm. in a Bears game that I've been in a long time. Because I'm I'm used to falling on your face. I'm used to getting kicked in the nuggets. Mm -hmm. I'm used to those things. But I had the expectations and the game plan and the thought. It was just... It was hideous. Yeah. Negligence is what some have called Matt Nagy's game plan. Good NFL conversation. Didn't talk about it all yesterday. Well, the needle movers had something to say this past weekend, did they not? Uh, We'll uh, get into baseball to kick off hour number two, and then we'll leave some time at the bottom of the hour, 11.30. We will opine on, well, blessing football. Yeah. But maybe some Valley conversation, too, as they've expanded to 11 teams. Belmont in the Valley starting 22. Miller and Condon, 1460. 